Okay, well, uh, hello everyone, and thank you so much for inviting me to your meeting. It's it's great. I haven't really been able to travel for a long time because of COVID, and it's like I get to travel today. I'm actually of Irish ancestry myself, but um, as as mentioned, my name is Tara. Um, I am a recovering alcoholic. I'm also recovering from a good resume full of psychiatric disorders, none of which particularly plague me today. But the amazing thing is that today there's so much more to my life than just being a person who used to drink and just being a person who used to you know, darken the doors of psychiatric hospitals and rehabs. Uh, I'm a good friend. I'm an active member in my family. I'm, I'm a girlfriend. I'm a freelance voice actor. I'm a writer. I have my own podcast, Addicted to Recovery, the interactive memoir, where I talk about my journey. And I'm going back to school in social work. So there's so much more to my life now than there was three years ago. Because when I was drinking, that was pretty much all there was. That was there was just that laser focus of I need to feel different from what I'm feeling right now. Other people's feelings weren't real to me. Um, the broader world wasn't real to me. The only thing that was real was managing my emotions, managing the withdrawal, managing the shame that I would feel every time I drank by drinking more. I love the name of the meeting as it was expressed to me as new beginnings. Because when I first started drinking, I thought that felt originally like a new beginning. It felt exciting, it felt electric, it felt like I could finally break through some of the limitations that I felt that I had. I could finally make friends with that girl who I thought was too cool to wanna to hang out with me. I could finally talk to that boy who I was too afraid to talk to. I felt like the world was gonna open up to me. And it really was was the beginning of a whole lot of new beginnings. It was the beginning of letting myself down, of embarrassing myself in front of those friends I had wanted to impress so badly. It was the beginning of getting kicked out of schools, getting kicked out of jobs. It was the beginning of getting rejected. It was the beginning of lying and cheating and just taking everybody else in my life for granted. And what I thought were gonna be beginnings just kind of turned into endings. You know, the, the ending of my faith in myself, um, the, ending in so, the ending of so many dreams that I had ending of so many prospects, the ending of so many relationships that I, I did really value, even though I had a hard time showing it. And those things that, that seemed new to me at the time, it wasn't worth what came of them, the, the blackouts, the hospitalizations. I, I didn't learn my lesson very, very easily. I unfortunately wasn't one of those people who had a few too many, a few too many times at a few too many parties and walked into an AA meeting and heard a share and was like, oh yeah, that's me. It's a good thing I, 
uh, good thing I can get my shit together now. I was, I was extremely resistant to treatment. I um, went to rehab, inpatient rehab 12 times. I was in and out of psychiatric hospitals. I was in a whole bunch of outpatient programs. I was in and out of AA for about 15 years before I actually found any length of recovery because every time I would walk into a room and I would see people hold hands and talk about God, I would just, I would shut down. And you know, my, uh, my perspective on that has shifted a lot uh, at the time, but over, over the years, but you know, at that time, it just felt like a barrier between me and recovery. One of the problems was also the myth of, of the bottom for me, that I thought that in, unless everything in my life had completely shattered, then I wasn't going to get better anyway. So why bother? And I certainly wasn't ready to give up drinking, no matter how many negative consequences I was having, no, how, no matter how many classes I was failing, no matter how many people I was alienating. If there was still that one little pocket of time where I felt a little bit better, where I felt a little bit of relief from the usual despair I was feeling, I just kept on going. But the thing was, when I actually hit a few bottoms, I've had so many along the way. The first one being something as benign as waking up in a snowbank on the side of the road after a party, not knowing what had gone on, to breaking open my head, to waking up in strangers' beds, to um, getting told by people I cared about that they never wanted to talk to me again. After all those bottoms started to accumulate, I didn't see any point in getting better because why would I? I didn't care about myself anymore. At that point, it turned into, when do I die? How long does this have to go on? I've heard in a lot of rehabs, recovery meetings that, you know, if you go back out there, if you drink, it means to die. And at a point I was like, well, when is that going to happen? Because I keep, I keep pushing this. And I wasn't afraid of dying anymore. I was afraid of the walking dead kind of experience I was living. I was afraid of continuing to be in a situation where I was drinking to live and living to drink, waking up in the morning in a panic, wondering if I had enough alcohol to steady, steady my nerves so I could get down the stairs to go to a depaneur to get more liquor and just living as a slave to a bottle that was what I was afraid of, afraid that that just wouldn't stop. And the fact that I managed to pull myself out at all still surprises me most of the time. And I feel like a lot of it had to do with, with luck in a lot of ways and a lot of factors that I had in my favor that kind of came together at the right time. I, I live in Montreal and in Montreal, there's a lot of homelessness. There's a lot of poverty. It's a great city in a lot of different ways, but there's a lot of suffering that you see just getting on the metro and, and moving around in a given day. And sometimes I would observe this and think the only difference between me and the person who is suffering on the street is that I still had people in my corner. Even when I was at my lowest, and even when I was doing pretty much everything in my power to push people away, I had people that were willing to fight for me. And that to me was the closest thing to 
a higher power that something did have my back, but it wasn't necessarily anything spooky or supernatural. It was the power of people willing to give me another chance over and over and over and over again. And for that reason, I had people taking me to the hospital. I had people pushing to get me into the same rehab for the sixth time. I had people welcoming me, welcoming me back into meetings, even though I would sit there with a whole bunch of attitude on my face. You know, I, I had friends who told me that there's still some good in you, that there's still a reason for you to be here. I had that and not everyone did. I also had the good fortune of being prescribed the right medication at the right time to medicate my anxiety. I also had the good fortune of meeting somebody in recovery early on this time around who was so scared of going to meetings by herself, she wanted me to go to every single one of them with her. And because of that, I had a recovery buddy. I had accountability. I had all these things. And I had also run out of excuses. I had used them all so many times. I had also run out of places to go. Even my very favorite rehab told me that they weren't going to take me back this time. You already know our program better than most of our counselors. There's really no point you being here anymore. I'd run out of options. And, you know, I just thought, what would really happen if I just went through the motions? What would really happen if I just did, if I just did all the things? And so as I did go through that process of starting to become more accountable, of showing up to my outpatient meetings, of showing up to meet with my psychiatrist, of taking my medication regularly, of exercising, of eating well, of reaching out to people. And I started doing the steps as outlined in Alcoholics Anonymous and they were good tools, they were, but I kept being told that there was some sort of a, a metaphysical or mystical experience that was supposed to be happening to me. But part of me was kind of also thinking, well, I'm sort of the one doing all the work here, just a little bit. But there were so many factors involved that after I after I completed my, my steps and felt like I had so much social support, I didn't necessarily feel like, I still felt like in a way that I was doing something wrong. I felt like maybe my recovery wasn't as, as legitimate as some of my friends that I had met in recovery circles because I didn't have God on speed dial. I couldn't articulate in a way that sounded convincing to me what my connection with a higher power was. And I was terrified that that meant that I was fooling myself, that I was gonna relapse, that it wasn't just a matter of taking care of myself and choosing to do the right thing every day. It was whether or not I could change something so intrinsic to me, my, my understanding of reality, uh, my understanding of spirituality, my understanding of how the universe works that if I couldn't sort of fundamentally get in there and twist it around and change it all up, then, you know, I was, I was vulnerable and it was, it was quite, it was, it was scary really. And so I, I kind of kept just going through the motions and coming up with more creative ways to articulate this higher power that I had a connection to, even though I was kind of just making things up and I was terrified that someone was going to realize that I didn't necessarily believe what I was saying and I was going to get ejected from, from recovery. You know, there was some sort of a higher power of recovery and they were going to find out that I was just kind of making stuff up as I went along and I was just going to walk out of my door one day into a fiery river of vodka and it would be all over. Um, <laughs> 
But what that did though, that insecurity, the way that I did feel pressured is that it maybe broaden my scope of what I understand reality to be. I read a whole bunch of books on spirituality and philosophy and listened to a bunch of podcasts by different thinkers and spiritual teachers. And the more I learned, the more I realized that, guess what? Nobody knows exactly what's going on in the universe. And, and it's going to be on me, you know, some kind of gutter drunk alcoholic to personally find God. And when I realized that some of the most intelligent, some of the most enlightened, some of the most educated people I was, that I was reading about and that I was listening to still agreed that nobody could possibly agree, then it allowed me to sort of take the pressure off a little bit and allowed me to start taking ownership of my own recovery and realize that doing things in a way that makes my heart shine and doing things in a way that makes me feel like I'm showing up for the people in my life that showed up for me after all those years. You know, that to me is what being spiritually fit is about. And I hate that word spiritual, it's so divisive. What does it really mean? Ethically fit, um, aware, integrated, you know? Um, and I realized that I didn't have to do anybody else's recovery anymore. I realized that I don't just have a daily reprieve from the desire to drink. I haven't wanted to drink in a, over two years. And it's not because anything magical happened to me. And, and it's because I'm doing, the di the, I'm doing the things differently. And I'm mindful and I take ownership of my life. And I'm not living in fear anymore. I'm not afraid that if maybe I just want to sit on my couch and watch Netflix and eat Reese Puffs for one day that, you know, the, um, the alcoholic demons in my head are going to come back and get me because, you know, I just don't, I don't want to be in recovery in a way that is fear-based and recover always feels like there's something wrong with you. I'm more in a, in a mindset now where I want to uncover I want to uncover all those things about the world that I was too afraid to uncover before. I want to uncover the potential in myself. I want to uncover the potential that I have to bring to my relationships. There's, there's so much that I just wasn't able to be present for and engage with when I was active. And now there are so many new beginnings that are actual new beginnings. And they can be the seemingly most trivial little things like the first time I walked into a Depener, a Depener is what we call a corner store in, um, in Quebec. And I realized that the bottles of wine were not actually going to leap out of the fridge and chase me out of the store. That was a new beginning for me. It was great. I could go in there and buy my snacks and buy an energy drink and, and I could just leave. <laughs> it didn't have any power over me. Um, the first time I went out on my own and realized that I could trust myself, realized that if I said I was going somewhere and coming back and that I wasn't going to get booze and I meant it. And that was a new beginning for me. Being able to tell somebody that I was going to be in a place at a certain time and show up and know that unless something out of my control happened, that I was going to show up. That was an absolutely new beginning for me starting to uncover my creative potential again. I always 
one of the things that kept me in alcoholism for so long was this myth of being an artist and that all artists are tortured and that they suffer these slings and arrows of mortality that normal people can't understand. And of course, we need the drugs and the alcohol to deal with the unrelenting cruelty that is mortality and all those kind of super pretentious, dramatic, egomaniacal things that I had going through my head. And that if I stopped drinking and if I wasn't tortured anymore, I would lose my edge. I wouldn't be able to create. Well, I've never been more creative in my life. Learning how to write music again without alcohol, learning how to write. I wrote almost an entire memoir without alcohol. I started learning how to act again without alcohol. I put together my whole, uh, a whole podcast on my own without alcohol. Uh, just coming up with creative solutions to problems without alcohol. And then it realized that, well, maybe the alcohol was actually a barrier to my creativity, not the thing enabling it. Um, just to be able to be in a moment and just be present and not be thinking about, well, what's the next thing? What's the next emotion I'm chasing? Not constantly chasing any feeling that's different from what I'm feeling, not wanting to be with a person different from the person that I'm with, not wanting to be in a room different from the room that I'm in, not wanting to be doing a thing different from the thing that I'm doing, to actually be able to just sit in my own life and show up for it. That is a new beginning. And that just makes me, makes me able to kind of look at almost every day as a new beginning, because when I'm in a situation, I'm actually in it. Being able to tolerate being human and all that that comes with. You know, the imperfections in myself and other people. The fact that bad things keep happening, even if I'm not drinking. And sometimes it's okay to just take a step back and feel the feeling and realize that it isn't going to kill me. And the ability to tolerate sometimes when I'm not the most graceful and I do make mistakes and that it's not the end of the world. To be able to do silly things like, I don't know, when a friend comes over, put on 80s music and dance around and not worry so much about the fact that I have absolutely no rhythm because not everything is the end of the world. Not everything is so dramatic. But what is very dramatic is the extreme difference between the kind of person that I was three years ago and the kind of person that I am now and my ability to appreciate those differences. And without sounding too sentimental and too cheesy, um, after all the time of you know, aggressively listening to podcasts by Christopher Hitchens and kind of going on the other extreme and becoming a sort of advocate for atheism in recovery and then sort of becoming some sort of a light Buddhist and becoming some sort, you know, like just kind of becoming ideologically fickle. What I've actually come to realize is that there has been a higher power from the very start in recovery. And it is that there are people like you and like me that are willing to show up for one another, that are willing to look at one another and say, hey, you know, I know how that feels, that are willing to say, hey, if, even if you can't see it, I see something in you, that are willing to sit down with someone for free, just to let them talk through their feelings. And that's what I was missing. That's what I was missing, even when I was sober, was 
the belief that other people had my back, the belief that I had something to offer other people and the ability to just live, you know, the ability to just live. And I know that, you know, I'm never going to get the, you know, 20, 20 odd years that I was drinking back. And I'm not one of those people that is necessarily always grateful to have lost all those years. But I also know that I probably could have been living in some degree of low level misery for the rest of my life if I hadn't drank to a point where my life was at risk. I could have just been that person who was just sort of sleepwalking through all these important milestones and moments. I could have just been that person who was passive in all of my relationships. I could have been that person who was just always waiting for the next thing and chasing the next emotion. And I don't think if I hadn't had those awful experiences with drinking, I would appreciate so much what it just feels like to live. So all that being said, I'm so super grateful that you guys asked me to share today. And I really hope that in your own way, you feel a sense of permission to make your recovery what you want it to be, that you don't feel a need to do anyone else's recovery and find your own way to just leverage joy again, you know, um, because I have, and I'm so grateful to be alive.